0: Hello to you, dear listener. I'm Stefano Montali, producer at RWE Europe, and today is an exciting day because you're listening to the first episode of our new eight-part series with Resonate Productions called Millennial History. We've been looking forward to sharing these amazing personal stories from Romania, Northern Ireland, East Germany, and where we'll start today, Sicily. And over the next months, you'll get to know Millennials who have lived through important moments in recent history. One last thing, make sure you stick around until the very end of the episode, as we'll have short anecdotes from Andrea Vutz, the show's creator and host, about the making of the podcast. Oh, and also, please subscribe to the feed if you haven't already. And without further ado, please enjoy Episode 1 of Millennial History.
1: I mean, I just find it really interesting. (laughs)
0: Here, this is talk the about everything because there's just so much to talk about prove Very ourselves good. worthy of the majority. Millennial history. history.
1: Welcome to Millennial History. In this podcast we talk to millennials who lived big events in recent world history from up close. In this episode we meet Aki. He grew up on Sicily where a huge explosion with great consequences shook his world in 1992. My name is Andrea Voets. I am a musical journalist. I'm joined in the studio by composer and sound designer Luke Dean. All of the music that you will hear has been offered by musicians from Sicily. Let's go.
0: I'm
2: from Palermo, which is the the biggest city in Sicily. I'm not from the city center, I'm from, uh, we call it uh, Borgata Marinara, which is a neighbor that is near the beach, but in the summer is a hell. As a matter of fact it's it's we are very unpredictable people, very unpredictable and very very dif- di- difficult to define so if you walk in the street of Palermo, you can find uh, somebody that has an approach to life uh, that is maybe extremely strict and extremely consistent and extremely coherent. And that's somehow Sicilian attitude as well. And next to him, you find somebody that has never paid taxes in his life. That is the, um, so the, this death, maybe it translates into this unpredictability within... Uh, p- people uh, let's say within each other and, and even within themselves as as persons you know so there is a certain inconsistency in behaviors and um, and habits yes there are still families that are uh, controlling pieces of the territory. That's, that's the term that we use. What
1: does that look like practically? To control territory in Sicily?
2: Well, it's, it's very subtle in the sense that if you walk there as a tourist or as a visitor, that you, you don't see anything, or maybe you see things and you don't associate it to, to that. Let's put it this way, it's a, it's a city that has a lot of uh, unemployment, um, but then uh, if you go to a certain neighbour, you see uh, somebody that is selling something illegally on the street, which can be sandwiches or... but if you think about it, why is that guy doing that and not somebody else? And why there and not somewhere else? because somebody some form of para institution decides that that spot belongs to that person and so this is how you control the territory but of course historically the most important source of income of those um, association was the racket we call it racket which is asking money to the commercial activities for protection it corresponds to to taxation It's, it's taxes basically So that's how it is, it's very pragmatic. Mm. There's nothing fancy about it.
1: How did they come to collect these taxes? Just in cash?
2: Yeah, just in cash, there's somebody going around. And
1: if you say no?
2: well th- nowadays is different than in the past in the past it was dangerous to say no they could have come to burn your uh, most commonly they would have burned your shop or your restaurant or your bar or they would have intimidated you up to the point that you were too scared not to pay they were protecting you from themselves in fact I remember, for instance, as a personal anecdote, once they stole my father's motorbike, when he was having a, a drink, my father, the day later, went to, the, to this bar and told to the owner, well, I was having a drink here at your place, and my motorbike got stolen. He was, of course, very, very sorry and said, I don't know, let's see what, 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 what we can find out. And after nearly a week, My father receives a call from the police that tells him "Ah, We found your motorbike, it's parked parked here, I mean not too far from the place We went there and there was the motorbike in perfect condition, chained with a very good lock, with a very good chain And that was a kind of a mysterious thing, if you think about it, because first of all, how did the police know that that was a stolen motorbike? What must have happened in that circumstance is that the owner of the place said, look, somebody harmed a a customer of mine, and that is not in our agreement somehow. So they managed to track who stole the motorbike, and the police was informed of where the motorbike was, by who stole it. And that was a, a shocking moment in the history of our country. Um, in many ways, Things can be, <laughs> in the recent history of Italy, it's relevant whether something has happened before or after that. Moment of break. Do that uh, Because I want to be sure that the date was uh, 23rd of May. I think it was...
1: 92, uh, two, right? 92. Yeah.
2: Okay. <clears throat> It was the afternoon of May twenty third, nineteen ninety two. I was, I was five years old, five years old, five years and a half, and um, I was uh, at the house at the countryside house of my grandparents, like where I was spending a lot of time in um, spring and in the summer. And we, we hear this very loud explosion coming from a concrete factory near the highway. We hear this very loud boom and, and of course, everybody started wondering what that would have been and everybody thought that there was an accident in the factory. There was this cloud of smoke it was strange. People were saying, "Yeah, it seems like a fact, but why a concrete factory should have such a big explosion? What do they have? They—they they are not making fireworks." After not more than two hours, we turned on the television and we figured out that that was a bomb that killed Judge, uh, the Judge Giovanni Falcone, his wife, and three men of his uh, guards. judge Falcone was coming back from Rome and uh, they they placed this unbelievable amount of explosive below the highway in a pipe that was going under the under the road and they remotely activated the bomb with the remote control from the hill um, 3 or 400 meters above the point of the explosion and the house of my grandparents was I would say less than a kilo, maybe 500 meters, 400 meters from the point of the explosion so that was very clear, it was very loud but I remember it perfect, perfectly the highway was completely blown out there was no road anymore there was no road if you there are the images of the first reporters who get there and there was nothing there was just uh, soil and and those cars completely destroyed but the the, the the it was a war zone when the bomb exploded the car that blew off completely was the car in front and the, that car was completely wrecked and it was very difficult to 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 recompose the bodies while the car of giovanni falcone in fact didn't blow up the car of giovanni falcone hit against the wall of debris that were generated by the explosion as a matter of fact he was still alive the traumas that he had were comparable to the one of a car accident because he just hit against the debris He arrived at the hospital that was still alive and he died of trauma at his chest and his head because he was also not wearing a safety belt. If he would have worn a safety belt, he would be alive, most likely. It's a way of operating that even for mafia was quite something because the mafia has historically done its execution with the gun on the street you know this was a big thing that was a a, a, rather a, a terroristic method than a mafia method
1: or like theater
2: yeah they wanted to make it big they wanted to make it big
1: did they even physically manage how
2: well you just put a lot of explosive you put a lot of explosive and you have people that know how to do the job that's for instance one of the controversies around those uh, bombings because they say you need an engineer to organize this properly it's hard to believe that just some criminals that barely that can barely speak italian read and write can can plan such a thing. It was a highly sophisticated plan. What stick to my memory the most is the, is the sound of the explosion. It's something that I have never heard before and after that.
1: Can you describe when,
2: it? When do you eh, it's it's a, it's it's like a, a thunder. It's like a thunder. It's like a it's a boom. Very deep, very low and very loud. And very short. I mean, when you're a kid, you cannot distinguish very well from what is common, what is regular and what is exceptional. You just absorb it. So it was like, all right, that must be how it is. That was the first time that I heard about Mafia. That was the first time that I heard about the bomb or- It was the first thing that made me think in terms of what's behind my little kid's context. Because you know, when you're a kid, what are you aware of of your family, of your friends, of the school and of the story? Then what's behind it doesn't concern you, you don't know. So that was the first thing that came from this outside world. I don't remember any news before that. I remember when my grandmother fell from the stairs or you know th- so that's the first thing I remember of what happened outside my kid circle. I always say that that was the date of birth of my political and social consciousness. To the very core, let's say, that was the moment I knew, I realized, there is a society. Giovanni Falcone was a crucial member of an anti-mafia pool of judges one of them was Giovanni Falcone one of them was Paolo Borsellino that was killed the same way uh, 12 uh, 20 days after
1: the same way
2: yeah with another explosion on the highway on the in the city center that was even more more uh, violent even more violent that that was awful that was awful Paolo Borsellino and Giovanni Falcone were probably the most important members of this um, this team of judges. Historically, that has an immense value because it's thanks to them that you can convict someone for being part of mafia. They opened the gate to what was called the maxi procession and maxi trial. They basically managed to arrest some hundreds, hundreds of heads of mafia and they made a trial of, with all of them at the same time. It was one huge trial with hundreds of, uh, of, of people. And in order to do that, they had to build a trial room. If you should Google it, it's called Aula Bunker. It's enormous and it's surrounded by cages. Because this uh, was built attached to a jail. Pictures of the trial are impressive, where you see these hundreds of people uh, in, in these cages all around. And that was, of course, um, very dishonorable. Revenge is an important element in the mafia culture. So it was an act of revenge. So that's why, that's why he was killed. Well, first of all, let's say um, there was no question anymore after this that mafia was a threat for the people. In the collective consciousness of people, this definitely made a switch this definitely entered in in people's mind especially in in Palermo and in Sicily the society reacted to that and it reacted beautifully how yeah. well there was a period right after that that we call the spring of Palermo which is in fact the one of which I have more memories because I grew in uh, I grew up in this city after, bomb- after those bombings, where uh, all of a sudden everybody was organizing cultural events, uh, there was a vitality, everybody was hanging at their balcony, those white sheets with the portraits of Falcone and Borsellino. As I, as I told you, it was interesting to grow up in this Palermo that was suddenly waking up my mother was, uh, we were always going together to these street demonstrations against mafia. I remember at least two of them. How many
1: years did it last?
2: A few years, ten maybe? Whoa, five to that's ten not years. A few years. No, but then it faded out. It faded out completely and now we are almost back at point zero. Why mafia in the first place uh, uh, grew and developed in, in Sicily? Because institutions have been neglecting southern uh, Italian uh, regions. So when the, when the institutions are, are, are neglecting up to this extent, uh, the scepticality toward institutions grows again. The clientelism uh, grows again. So, yeah. So the, let's say nothing was done f- at an institutional level to to promote and and keep that thing rolling as the normality. It was again okay, whatever. Uh, I- the Italian tends to forget very easily about their history. Very easily. Yeah, it makes me as well skeptical and negative and, you know, I'm going to kind of surrender to what's going on. I left, as a matter of fact. This is the highest um, proof of my surrendering, you know, just fuck it. So... It's, it's well known that right after those explosions, there was a negotiation between mafia and part of the institutions. This is history. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's known that this happened.
1: And they tried to negotiate a truce.
2: No, uh, <laughs> not at all. So um, what happened is that the terrorist component of mafia uh, had to go. And um, institutions tried to negotiate with, with mafia in order to stop the violence in change of something, of course. And as a matter of fact, after those two bombings, that was not one drop of blood for 25 years. In the 80s, every day there was something happening. So after those bombs, mafia got quiet again. Paolo Borsellino, before dying, before being killed, was uh, doing his investigations um, uh, about the connection between Sicilian mafia and um, North Italy entrepreneurs that were rising in that period. One above all, Silvio Berlusconi, that It is proof that the right arm of Silvio Berlusconi, who's now in jail himself, was the connective element between mafia and Berlusconi, that was about to become an extremely powerful man. At the national level, I think that if that compromise between mafia and the state wouldn't have happened, the war would have just continued, I suppose. With which outcomes, I don't know. But maybe we wouldn't have had Berlusconi. Most likely we wouldn't have had Berlusconi. That's a bit different. Maybe somebody worse than him would have been there, so I don't know. But certainly, uh, I don't know what if Connection with the drug industry in the Netherlands.
0: En dan nu de
2: mafia.
1: Italiaanse maffia is in Europa zeer in Amsterdam actief, is gisteravond
0: een Italiaanse maffia baas gearresteerd. Hij is de hoofdverdachte van een reeks moord in Nederland. De Italiaanse maffia krijgt in, er in Nederland steeds meer voet aan levens- de grond. U heeft vandaag al eerder kunnen horen het speciale team van de, 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 de Nederlandse politie moet ingaan bestrijden. Daarop
2: het hebben met het hoofd van de Nederlandse recherche Gilles Paulussen en met Italiaanse hulpdent Palu in Antwerpen in
1: Zandvoort een van
2: de Italiaanse
1: maffia heerlijke pizzas, pizza We hadden
2: ja. een klein terrasje buiten, op de, gewoon op de, op de trottoir, en dat zat echt iedere avond vol. Hij kwam ook regelmatig met een glaasje wijn aan tafel zitten, en, dus hij, ja, het was echt een soort buurtfiguur
1: geworden. Maar Hij had hier dus een fantastisch leven.
2: Absoluut, ja, en we zullen hem ook heel erg gaan missen. What drives me crazy is that, en uh, what concerns me the most is, is that People in the Netherlands doesn't give a fuck about this. This is what made, drives me crazy. That, they, that people still um, treat this matter in the best case scenarios with uh, total indifference. And in the worst case scenario, they even think that, that, that that's not relevant or that doesn't exist. or that, Which is actually what mafia needs in order to prosperate. You know, so what drives me crazy more than the fact that those phenomena are taking place is that the people doesn't give a damn. I've never heard anybody asking me a question. I would be glad if somebody would come to me and ask me some questions about mafia that are <laughs> real, that are connected to reality rather than asking me. Ah, but if I go to the street, uh, you know, Palermo, then they shoot me. Vito, you understand?
0: Yeah.
1: What is the biggest misconception that you feel, that you hear around you?
2: About Mafia? Yeah. That it's a fictional phenomenon. Or even worse, that it's a fascinating phenomenon. You know? I always say that people treat Mafia as it's, as a, as it's a Star Wars. With the same kind of cult, you know. I love the great uh, the 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 Godfather, uh, but I mean, the Godfather is a fucking movie. It is already branded yeah. to, to something that can be sold as a cultural product, as a food uh, food product, as a as a clothing product, as a it's a brand that is totally disconnected with reality. It's it's insane. Is uh,
1: Did you know that, that this was the attitude before you left Sicily? No. Sicilian friends of you, do they have the same experiences?
2: Oh, everybody.
1: Everyone. Do you think we are
2: naive? <sighs> no, I. I no, I, I, I. Naive is a too diplomatic, uh, too diplomatic term. People is ignorant. Ignorant. Naive is another thing. Misinformed uninterested not naive so europe is a unified or a unifying reality at least for what concerns criminality if people doesn't acknowledge this this system of criminality will get stronger
1: situation, to change the conversation?
2: Well, to get together and to open to each other, to listen to each other and to to speak openly. That's one step. I don't know if that's going to be enough, but that's what we can do at our level.
1: Is there anything that gives you hope?
2: Uh, Look, there is... um there is a quote from giovanni falcone that for some sicilians is a sort of mantra that mafia is a human phenomenon and as all human phenomenon it had a beginning it has a development and it will come to end as all human phenomenon I so what we can do is to speed up the process as much as possible But what triggers me the most is to watch or read about it. When I see an interview of Giovanni Falcone, I have, I, I, it's, it's, it's always very strong when I hear him talking, because I, I can understand every, every single word and I immediately think that I heard the bomb that killed that man.
1: This show was brought to you by Resonate Productions. We make musical journalism on emotional blind spots in society. Many thanks to all the musicians who donated their songs to help to tell this story. Alfio Antico, Giulia Taliavia, Francesco Guiana and Salvatore Bonafede. You can find all of them on facebook.com slash musicaljournalism. See you next time.
0: Hey, Stefano again. I hope you found episode one thought-provoking. Next week, we'll release the first of three stories about Romania. And here now is Andrea Vutz explaining how millennial history first came to be. Enjoy, and we'll see you next week.
1: So one day in 2018, my friend Luke, Luke Dean, the composer, sound designer of this podcast, he called me up and he said, Andrea, I want to make a podcast. And I said, yes, great. What about... And normally I spend years thinking about which topics I'm going to make musical journalism on. And now it just came from this very open friend question that said, let's just make something together. And then I remember this flash that came into my head. Oh, but I have this friend Aki. And I know he has this story about the mafia and the bomb. And it really impacted him. But I also feel there's a lot of... Um, thinking and frustration and anger and things we have to talk about there. So let's take that as a podcast. And if that is going to be the podcast, then yeah, we can also just immediately make a whole series and we will call it mm, Millennial History, because that's literally what it is, what we're going to do. Revisit recent world history through the eyes of millennials who were there when it happened. And that's how within 15 minutes... Suddenly, I had, together with Luke, a podcast, a title and a concept. It went very, very quickly and we never really reconsidered it (laughs) or give it much more extra thought.